0: DMB On Demand is a love letter written to the music of the Dave Matthews Band and the eclectic family that passionately supports them. Hello, and welcome to DMB On Demand, where we explore the music of DMB and the family therein. Take a seat, get comfortable, and welcome to the best of what's around. Welcome to DMB On Demand. Before we get to the interview, We'll take a moment to discuss some DMB history and news. We will have links to all information presented in the notes section of the episode on dmbondemand.com.
1: Hey friends, Bridget again. We're here with another episode of DMB history. This time we're going back to 2007 and 2008. In early 2007, Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds played a series of European and U.S. dates, including an evening at New York City's Radio City Music Hall, which was released as a CD and DVD later that year. Entering the Billboard 200 at number three, Live Tracks Volume 8, a 2004 DMD show from Alpine Valley, was released in February. Dave Matthews' band played its first shows of 2007 at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada in March. Both concerts were subsequently released as the four CD live tracks, volume nine. The first live tracks release of a show outside the US, May 25, 2007, Pavilion Atlantico in Lisbon, Portugal, marked the 10th volume in the series. After European and Australian dates, Dave Matthews Band launched an extensive US summer tour that culminated with two nights at the legendary Hollywood Bowl. The tour had included the band's third park concert benefiting Atlanta's Piedmont Park where DMB performed for 50,000 fans and were joined by the Allman Brothers band. The concert was released as a CD and DVD later that year. In September, Dave Matthews Band joined John Mayer, Phil Vassar, and Nas for a concert for Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, Virginia. The concert was conceived as a way to help students, faculty, and other members of the community move forward in the aftermath of the tragic events that had transpired there in April. DMB became one of the first artists on Facebook in November, and DMB Mobile launched in late 2007, offering official DMB ringtones for the first time. In early 2008, Dave Matthews Band began working in the studio with producer Rob Cavallo of Green Day and My Chemical Romance on its seventh studio album. Guitarist and longtime friend Tim Reynolds played on the album, marking his first recording with DMB since 1998's Before These Crowded Streets. The group headlined the inaugural Mile High Festival in Colorado in July. Dave Matthews Band, Live at Mile High Music Festival and two other concerts, DMB Blue Note, Columbia, Missouri, 1022, 1994 and DMB Town Point Park, Norfolk, Virginia, April 26, 1994, were released later that year. Volumes 11, 12, and 13 of the live track series also came out in 2008. On August 19, 2008, Roy Moore passed away from complications stemming from an ATV accident, which occurred just days after the band's June 28th show at Nissan Pavilion in Bristol, Virginia the loss of their brother and founding mem- fan- founding band member was a devastating one for the group while both mourning the loss of Leroy and trying to celebrate his life Dave Matthews band soldiered on finishing the last few tour dates thanks guys
0: time brother and <laughs> Each week, we have an intimate conversation with a member of the DMB family. We explore how the music of Dave Matthews Band and the deep bonds within the DMB family have shaped their life. We come to realize that while each story is unique and the family as a whole is diverse, we are sewn together by one common thread. The members of Dave Matthews Band and the people who make up the DMB family are simply people who love. We hope you enjoy this week's interview.
2: Okay, folks, so we're jumping into episode two of season three. We've officially made the jump from Twitter to Facebook. Uh, Seasons one and two, we interviewed our friends on the Twitter side of things, and for season three, we're flipping over to the DMB friends on Facebook. Um, Pamela is our guest today. She's actually um, the creator of. DMB Fans International. It's a a great group with daily postings and daily interactions about the band uh, without any sort of drama or elitism or any of the negative aspects that might have infiltrated other bigger groups just aren't there. So it's refreshing. Uh, We did some design work for Pamela for her uh, Facebook banner and a couple uh, daily posts, and it's just been a, a really a real delight to be a part of. So I'm pretty excited to have her on here today. Uh, we've spoken once on the phone prior to this, and it was a very natural conversation. So I'm I'm thinking this is going to be one of the better interviews for for season three for sure. So right. let's jump right in. Um, Pam, tell them a little bit about yourself, maybe what you do. Um, your interests, your hobbies, just kind of round yourself out as a person for us. Thanks, Drew. Really appreciate the opportunity
3: to be on your wonderful podcast. Um, yes, yeah, so a little bit about me. So I was born and raised in Seattle, Washington. Been a music lover my whole life, and my other interests are travel, wine, books, literature. Gosh, archaeology, technology, uh, just to name a few. Um, I am one of six kids, kind of a large family. And so I've been uh, busy with family and and other pursuits over the last year or so with the pandemic, just trying to stay happy and positive. Uh, But what I do for a living is I am an executive assistant for Microsoft, I work with Xbox gaming studio heads. And um, that is wrapping up. And now I'm turning my attention to travel. I'm just opened a travel agency effective yesterday, as a matter of fact. Uh, But I'm still working actively as an, an executive assistant as well while my business gets off the ground. So lots on my plate, but I couldn't be happier. It's kind of strangely enough, the best part of this year has been working with you and getting um, the Dave Matthews Band Fans International uh, a Facebook group really taking it to a whole nother level. It's, it's been really exciting and a real labor of love. So I really am excited about what the future holds. I am busy and I wouldn't have it any other way.
2: Can you tell us a little bit more about the group, uh, the one that I mentioned in the intro and the one you just mentioned? Can you kind of tell us what it is that made you want to grow this project and um, where you would like to see it go?
3: Yes, I uh, actually started this group five years ago out of a need to really go further with the idea of being a fan. It's one thing to meet people casually or at concerts. That's always exciting. But I thought it would be really great to bring people together in a forum such as Facebook so that people have the opportunity to meet each other, to really discuss what that music means to them, how it's impacted their lives and the stories that keep coming in from all over the world. It's just amazing how far and wide the Dave Matthews Band has reached globally. And some pretty deep roots he has now in the Seattle area, I'm happy to say. So it means just that much more to me on a personal note. Um, I didn't have to create it. That's true. There's, there's other Facebook groups out there that support the band. But the difference between them and my group is that mine reaches internationally, but it also touches on the music itself, like how it appeals to people from a lyrical point and what the meaning is behind each of these songs. It's one thing to be a listener. It's another to be an aficionado where you really dig into the lyrics and the stories behind the songs and dig into these guys' lives and see what they're all about, like really what makes them tick. And, and that's why I am so excited about my group because uh, people are catching on, people are coming in and, and really starting to uh, share these stories and really get to know the band on a deeper level.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you and I both had the same sense of, um, maybe curiosity, um, where, okay, so for example, you talk about how the music hits us all, um, individually yet collectively. When I went to my first concert, uh, DMB concert, which wasn't until 2019 at the Gorge, um, I remember just being, taken up and away like the energy was unlike anything i'd ever heard before and i was looking at the sea of people and thinking like there there's something that brought them here they didn't just randomly come to a dmb show that music had to have impacted them somehow to get them here tonight and i i felt this overwhelming desire to learn as many stories as possible um, so after the concert, that's when I started kind of drumming up ideas for the podcast and in, in a similar fashion, um, getting to know what the music means to people. And it's hard to pinpoint what I'm trying to say here, but the best I can come up with is it's an amazing experience to sit back and listen to these stories And find out how differently the music has impacted us. But at the same time, there's this commonality to it. Um, And I I haven't experienced anything like it where it affects people much in the same way for the same reasons. But it's completely an individual uh, journey between the person and the music. Uh, If you're lucky, you get to share that with a few people. And uh, so I, I completely understand what you mean when you're talking about the curiosity behind how the music has impacted people. That's, that's why we're here uh, doing this is that same curiosity. So I I get it. I absolutely get it. Um, We're going to start off with arguably the hardest questions, not because they touch on any content that's uh, deep or, or scary sometimes, but because it's hard to limit things. It's Not in our nature to want to limit things down, especially when it comes to music that you love. But um, with that said, the first question on topic that I have from you is, what is your favorite DMB song? And why is that particular song your favorite? Now, if you don't have an all-time, if it's too hard to break that down, then I would also be okay with you just talking about what's your current favorite and why is it your favorite so either way you want to go with it it's up to you uh what's your favorite song and and why
3: Mm. excellent question right off the bat i'm gonna say gray street hands down reason being the very first time i heard that song i literally jumped out of my skin i thought my god how did this man do this How did he get into my soul and pluck out of my head exactly, and I mean word for word, exactly how I have felt my entire life? It literally brought me to tears the first time I heard it. Uh, This is, gosh, this is way back. Um, This is really like really white sessions. So this is like, you know, 93, 94, uh, just about did me in emotionally because I could not believe that this gifted uh lyricist david j matthews could write such a powerful song and he was pretty young at that time too he was like in his you know early 20s but to write such a profoundly deep song and yet if you look at the words they're pretty simple right but the meaning behind them is just so powerful and like when he's saying how you know she prays to god every night um And, and I just thought, my God, that's it. He's writing about me. Like this is Pamela's song. This is Pamela's life story in this particular song. And, and it's just stuck with me ever since. It's just, um, it's one of those songs, you know, we all have those, the certain songs that give you goosebumps. Yeah, that would be me. That would be me with Gray Street. Um, as for a second favorite, gosh, it's hard really to pull it out of thin air, but I would say number 41, uh, 41 is very special to me, too, because he's talking about the joy and exuberance of life. Um, Again, the words really speak to my soul in a way that few other songs do. But yeah, Gray Street is it. Boy, that, that gets me every time. And I think just to go on your point, Drew, about the commonality, I think what we all feel is this almost spiritual pull toward this music because the lyrics are universally appealing, but they do drill down into people's souls differently. Everybody's got the song that speaks to them. And for me, it's Gray Street. And I also wanted to touch on a point you said a minute ago, too, which I think is really, really so very true. And that is that, you know, when you go to the concerts, it's not just you standing there or, you know, You're you're present there and you're watching the Dave Matthews band and you go home and, and, you know, you forget about it. It's not like that. It's like a tapestry. Every concert you go to is it becomes a tapestry on your soul. I've been going to the Gorge since 2000. I've never missed a concert. I've gone to every single show since 2000 and every single time. Doesn't matter. Pick a night, any night. It's always different. It's always exciting because the vibe is always different. You've got people coming and going. Some people are diehards like me that go to every concert they they can get to. For some people, um, it's a trip of a lifetime to come out to the gorge just for one night. It's that great. So it's quite an experience. Um, (laughs) I, I don't know that there's too many music artists out there that can claim that kind of following for these kinds of reasons. I would challenge that.
2: Yeah, you'd be hard-pressed to find another band that has this sort of element, this magic that we're talking about. I mean, I have other bands that I'm really into, and I'm involved with their community online, like uh, Shaky Graves, Lumineers, uh, Josh Ritter, a lot of Americana stuff, modern Americana stuff. And while their fan base is rich, and um, when I say rich, I don't mean monetarily, uh, but their fan base is, is rich and it's full of life, and the music itself, the lyrics are great, but it's just not the same on any element, whether it be the magic of a live show, or how deep the community runs, uh, there's just no comparison whatsoever. He's he's definitely a, a step ahead, and uh, yeah, I totally get what you mean when you say that, that Grey Street is your song. I think my song um, is 27. I uh, You know, I lived a life up until my 30s that was violent and uh, scary a lot of times and rough. And I thought that was how life was. And um, there was a lot of internal conflict up until my 30s. Two things finally happened. First, I got married, and there was something more to make my decisions on than just myself. Um, And two, I I sought some help and got diagnosed with bipolar type 2. It's the lesser of the two, but it's still an issue I struggle with. And before I had any of this help or before I got married, I, I lived with this conflict day in and day out. And I remember the first time I heard number 27 it stopped me dead in my tracks. I, I was walking, and I was going to a bus stop, and it came on, and I had never heard it before. And it, it stopped me in my tracks, literally. And here's this story about conflict. I'm sick of war like I'm sick of peace. I'm sick of sound like I'm sick of silence. Pure conflict. And then the chorus hits, and he's headed home now home to him was the arms of a woman but everybody's home is different and um it taught me before i got my help that uh it was okay to be conflicted it was it was all right it was natural as long as i was on my road home when i felt the conflict it took a little while for me to find my road home and just like in the song for me it was the arms of a woman and uh To know that song is to know me, um, both before and after um, my changes in life. So I I completely get when you say Gray Street is your song, um, and in turn, mine is 27. Question for you about Gray Street. Imagine you're talking to somebody who's never heard of DMB, let alone Gray Street and you had to describe the song to them, how would you describe that song to somebody who had no sense of what it was about up front?
3: Mm. Yeah, I would say it's about a girl or a young woman who is really trying to reconcile reality with where she wants to be in life, because when he said, for example, when he says she feels like kicking out all the windows and setting fire to this life, she would change everything um, using colors bold and bright, but the colors mixed to gray. So it's, it's this angst that she's feeling that everything she sees around her is gray. It's all bleak. It looks bleak or it looks like it, it's blank. Bleak or blank, However, whichever way you look at it. But she wants to break out of that, and she's not sure how to do it, and she's so overcome with grief, and, and she's soul-searching for a way out of her situation. And Because uh, the lyrics say, you know, she prays to God most every night, and though she swears he doesn't listen, listen there's a hope in her he might. So she's, she's praying. She's going on the little bit of faith she has left that, that things will get better. Things will turn her way, Um, but she's got to fight for it. That's why he also says she feels like kicking out all the windows. So that's kind of what it's about in a quick synopsis. And and it's so me because it will. (laughs) Most of my friends know me to be very optimistic, very straightforward, logical, persevering, hardworking, outgoing person. And I'm all those things. But what they don't know is behind the scenes that I identify very strongly with that song and several other Dave Matthews Band songs because it's it for me it's not about the surface of the song it's about the the deeper meaning the lyrics and me trying to understand what he's really trying to say and you know Dave grew up with a couple of sisters uh, one of them has passed away and so. Family is very important to him. And if you look at the lyrical content of pretty much every song he's ever written, in some way or another, it touches the fabric of uh, the family. It touches the fabric of community and really the world at large. And once again, how many artists can do that? But to take a song like Gray Street or in your case, number 27, and identify it to the point where you, I mean, connect with it, I should say, connect with it to the point where you just know that song has touched you in a way that no other song ever has or ever will, to me, that's extraordinary. And that shows the vision and the uncanny intuitiveness of Dave Matthews to be able to write songs like that that are going to go on for generations that will mean something to someone somewhere in the world for maybe the similar reasons. You just never know.
2: I mean, you laid it out plainly and beautifully. Um, I think that would be a fantastic way of, of explaining the song and and the elements underlining the song to somebody who uh, didn't know what it was about. I got something for you listening to, You talk about Gray Street. I I got something for you. What I'd like you to do tonight, tomorrow, whenever, is put on your favorite version of Gray Street. And right after it, play Deed is Done. Uh, I've always considered Deed is Done as sort of, like if Gray Street was a letter to somebody about what you described, the PS on that letter would be Deed is Done. I mean, there's this it's it's a person who's speaking to the same God that was referenced in Gray Street, and he's talking to God about this girl whose yellow turn cheeks are swollen, soul is burned, but the girl is gone, and the deed is done, and it must be wrong um and then he he talks about his his prayer, my prayer's not heard, Could it be your deaf, deaf to mortal word? It's interesting because. To me, when you take the spiritual element out of Grace Street and you listen to it for what it is, and then you listen to Deed is Done Next, I can't think of any two songs that balance each other out than those two. Um, so... Whenever you get time, listen to your favorite version of Gray Street, and then listen to any version of Deed Is Done, and I think you'll see it. Like I said, if Gray Street's the letter, then Deed Is Done is the postscript, um, and it it really fills in a lot of the blanks um, as far as the lyrics go. It's always been really curious and interesting to me when I listen to the same. So give that a shot. I think you'll I think you'll find some. I think it'll fill in the gaps a little bit to listen to both songs almost as one single song. So um, moving on, we're going to stick with your favorites. Um, Again, if you don't have an all time favorite, that's fine. If you just want to tell us what your current favorite is, but what's your favorite DMB lyric and why is that lyric so near and dear to you? Uh Oh,
3: That's that's a great one. That's a great question. I have to think about that for a second. But I wow. <laughs> I I think I would have to say oh gosh. Um you yes, know, it's, not,
2: it's not easy. <laughs> it,
3: I I have to think about it for just a second, but what's coming to my mind <laughs> is um Uh, the warehouse, love the warehouse song, and where he's talking about, um, bags pla, bags packed on a plane, hopefully to heaven. (laughs) And, and I, I like that because, you know, Dave claims not to have any affiliation with any particular religion and whatever, but, you know, he's made the song The Maker and other things. He alludes to God, and I, I believe he is a man of faith. He just doesn't, you know, he's trying to be very neutral. But it's kind of hard to miss when he, when God is a part of his fabric, of his songs. But I like that. I like that verse where he's saying, um, you know, uh, in the warehouse where he's saying, huh, my bag's packed on a plane, hopefully to heaven. I like that because it's just he's, he's talking about, um, you know, hopefully he gets there. You know, hopefully he makes it to the other side is, his, as you said, the deeds, the deeds are good, good enough to get there. <laughs> and it's just kind of a tongue in cheek pass on that. Um, but, it, but I just want to backtrack for just a second. You know, you were talking about how amazing Gray Street indeed is. They kind of follow each other. Well, I would go you one better. It occurs to me that probably the dreaming tree is probably the precursor to both of those, if you think about it, because it's a little girl. She's talking to her dad, said the dreaming tree has died. Well, if you think about it, a dreaming tree dying means your dreams are dashed or on hold or maybe done away with. Or, you know, your future future probably doesn't look all that great Mm -hmm. or maybe as great as it could be. Entering Gray Street, where she's trying to kick out all the windows and she's praying to God and hopefully hopefully things will get better. And then to your point, it wraps it up with deed is done. You know, hearts are broken and the deed is done. So uh, you got the trifecta there in my estimation. I'm sorry, that just came to my mind while I was talking to you. <laughs> I was like, there it is. But uh, no, The Warehouse is is another favorite song of mine. I, I loved that song from the start. And I think Dancing Nancy's and Warehouse go along together so well. And I guess I'm spoiled in my thinking on that because the first term, first time I heard those two together was on the live at Red Rocks back in 1995. And just the jam on that is just so insane. I mean, so perfectly timed and so they just play off each other to coin a phrase. They, they really mix well together, those two songs and, these days, uh, you know, with Boyd's departure, it's it's kind of hard to pick up the violin uh, sound with with the keyboard. I mean, they're doing their best, but it's not quite the same. But I got to say, um, those two songs together are just just it. I mean, they're just it. They work so well together.
2: Yeah, to stick on the the topic of uh, religion in the music or or God, whatever you want to phrase it, Warehouse has been one of my favorite songs ever since I first heard it. Warehouse was the first song. So when I first got into the band, I had trouble understanding how he sang. So I had to look up lyrics. Uh, Warehouse was the first song that I ever understood his style or his cadence of singing, and I was able to listen to that song and get the meaning of it without having to look up lyrics. And that was really a a page-turner for me. But um, there's an element there, again, of God or spirituality, whatever you want to call it, that I always found just gobsmacking. Here is this guy in this warehouse, And all these things are wrong, and it's scaring him, and he wants to have a change. He wants to get out of the warehouse. And then all of a sudden, the warehouse starts shaking and lifting from the ground, and the warehouse gets him right up to the face of God. And when he gets to the face of God, he doesn't do what you think somebody might do when they're talking to God. He kind of grabs God up by the collar and makes him look down at what's been going on the exact lyrics. So that's our blood down there. And it seems poured for the hands of angels, your angels, yes. but trickle yeah. under the ground, leave the warehouse bare and empty. Yes. And my heart's number beats still echo in this empty room and fear wells in me. Nothing seems good enough to defend. Yes. So I'm going yes. away. I mean, right. here, here is a guy who's talking to God and, and instead of having questions or being humble, he wants some answers. There's blood down there and it's poured from your angels. You know, and if if you can't defend any of this, then I'm going away and I'm going to choose the warehouse. And man, just somebody claiming that accountability through song and then end the song with going back down to humanity, going choosing to go back down to the bloody warehouse and stay there instead of staying up with god i just it blows my mind and so it's just another one of those songs where like you said he doesn't claim a religion but there is always an undertone of some sort of faith uh god spirituality it's it's just there and it can't can't be argued so i'm I guess this is a long way of saying that I completely understand when you're talking about Gray Street Warehouse, Deed is Done, all these songs that have that element. And not only do they have an element of spirituality, it's such a unique take on it that it just blows your mind. And and I personally I would love to to sit down and listen to this man talk about. What spirituality has been in his life How it's impacted him And what he means during certain songs I would I would listen to that story for hours And not get tired of it So I uh, completely, completely understand What you mean by that And um, I think you're right there's, there's definitely something there It's not nothing It happens too often for it to be nothing um, Alright, so How long have you been a a fan of the band? Uh, When I say that, I mean, when did you really start getting into it more than just casually hearing a song on the radio? When did you make that turn to become, you know, a DMV fan?
3: 1992. I had heard recently um, from a friend, just kind of off the cuff and not really knowing who it was. But then again, I heard it again later in nineteen ninety two over Christmas time. And I thought, wait a minute, I heard this, you know, earlier spring. Who is this again? And my friend said, Oh yeah, that's the Dave Message band. I haven't heard them before? And I said, Well, I have now <laughs> And uh and that was it. That I was like hooked. I was like, Who are these people? And um, you know, back then that was still M T V world and you know, that was long before computers and all that jazz so i think a lot of us diehards know that dave um got started on the college circuit and the pub circuit came later but college was it and um and so a lot of the music traveled by word of mouth and bootlegs and all that kind of stuff but that's all that was it for me i was like by 94 i was like i was so into it i couldn't even see straight and then by 96 uh, when Crash came out, I was done. I was like, I am never leaving Dave Matthews, ever. <laughs> I'm going to every concert I can get my hands on, okay? Um, yeah, I that was it for me. That was the turning point. We were hearing recently the second time, and then uh, around that time is when the Lily High, I'm sorry, Lily White bootleg was floating around, and a friend of mine actually gave me a, a cassette of one that she had, um, you know, bootlegged. <laughs> And uh, I still have that cassette to this day. And, and um, it, it, that that was cool because you've got, you know, Raven on there. You've got, you know, Busted Stuff. You've got all these really cool songs that later on, you know, 15, 20 years later, were turned into the Busted Stuff album. So uh, it, it's been quite a journey. Um, the music's always been with me and as the band has grown i've grown from listening to the band and um uh and then of course when the gorge opened up stupid me i i should have been there from day one but i didn't it was a different time in my life and too many things going on um but i started going to the gorge uh in 2000 i haven't missed a show since like i said earlier so um a lot of time to catch up there but Prior to that, it was all the studio albums and every live album I could get my hands on, whether it was bootleg or in the store.
2: Would you say that uh, recently was the song that made you a fan? And if the answer is no, then please share uh, what song uh, distinctly sticks out as the one that really turned the page for you.
3: Wow, that's a great question too. Because I like recently because he's talking about this girl that he was dating at the time. Now I believe that song was not written about his you know, his wife, Jennifer Ashley. I think it was somebody else he might have been dating prior to that. I could be wrong, but who knows? Um, as far as the the album itself, recently, um, it was that. But it was so much more. It was the entire album that did it for me. I can't really say there was one particular song on there um, because I liked all of it. But if I had to, push come shove, if I had to say something, um, I would say um, probably recently itself. Yeah. Uh, the whole album is just so good. And what's really cool about it, though, I think is that because it was such a raw, almost experimental album. Uh, you really get the sense right off the bat by listening to that, that they were ready to lay down some roots and go with it, wherever it took them. Uh, sort of a devil may care attitude almost in the recording sessions. And, um, and I think that comes across in the way it sounds. Obviously, you know, the other albums, Under the Table and Dreaming and Beyond, are far more polished than recently. But I have a special affection in my heart for recently because, like I said, it is kind of raw and sort of unrefined, and it's pure Dave Matthews
2: band. Yeah, another thing I find interesting that you touched on um, was is kind of the the evolution of the music over the years. And I've never understood people who... You know, listen to the first few albums and think they're great, but then they, they kind of drop off on the, the middle two albums and and kind of shit all all over some of the newer ones because it's different. Well, yeah, it's different. The guy that is writing the songs is living a different life. I mean, if you want to listen to somebody who's questioning everything and has a lot of angst and a lot of inner turmoil, then go back to those early CDs. But if you want to hear something that here's a man who's now growing into his own and he seeks to inspire people, then you listen to the middle albums. And if you want to hear some songs about a father and his relationship to his kids in the world and what his obligations are and what his fears are and what his hopes are for the kids in the next generation, then the latest two albums are where you want to go. I don't think they're any better or any worse. It's just the evolution of the man who's singing them. And to expect a man in his fifties to write the same way he did in his twenties is just ludicrous. It's just not possible. Life changes, life evolves. And so does he, and so do we. And I've never understood the, the people who shit all over some of the modern CDs, because to me, it's it's the evolution of the man who's seeing them. And I find more than just a little glimpses of hope. Um, even if there's trepidation as well, I still find glimpses of hope in his outlook for the next generation. And I'm, frankly, I'm looking forward to see him return to a bit of angst. And I think that's what's coming next. Because now you have... Dave Matthews, who's a husband, who's a father, he's touched on all of the fears and trepidation and hopes of the next generation. But soon enough, when he gets into his 60s, early 70s, he's going to find himself kind of alone again, wondering what now. And I am beyond curious to hear what music he comes up with, with the idea being, okay what now um so i think we're we're in store for some some evolution here in the next one or two cds and i frankly i I can't can't wait to hear it um not that i wish angst for the guy i'm not saying that i'm just saying that as you age it's going to be coming like a mac trend it's just gonna flatten him and how he deals with that is he turns to his songwriting and oh man i just i can't wait <laughs> um, alright so there's kind of this I don't want to say evolution or hierarchy but that's for the lack of a better term let's call it evolution um, inside of a, a DMB fan so first you get turned on to the music then you go to your first live show then you start to understand that there is a thing called the DMB family and then after that, very few people take the next step, but you do, I do, and I'm not saying we're better than anybody by any means, but we take the next step of trying to help care for that DMB family and help it grow to what it, it can be through our work. Um, my question is, what happened that turned you into – that turned you from somebody who just likes listening to the music to realizing, holy shit, there is a whole community of people here that have similar feelings in their heart, and I can connect with them. What really got you involved in the DMB family to begin with?
3: I was at a I was at the Gorge. First of all, it's a great question because not everybody connects. A lot of people check out. It's just for them. It's music, and it's you know, yeah. come yeah. and go. And, oh, that was great. Whatever. And I've got friends I've taken to the shows and they're like, oh, wow, thanks for a great weekend. Never, never heard, heard from him again. Ask him to go again. No, no, no. That, that, that's okay. I had a good time. But thanks anyway. For me, what what turned the corner for me was realizing that this is where I belong. This is my tribe. These people get it. Like They totally understand this music is so much more than just your surface Music and by service I mean stuff you hear on the radio and you know you listen to it a couple times. Eh, you take it or leave it. This is soul deep music. Okay, it's not just spiritual; it's soul deep. And for those of us who are awake enough to understand what I'm saying, you get me because it's the con, the lyrical content and alone is enough to jump out at you and sc- and shake you like Dave says. I'll, I'll, I'll phrase Dave here: shake you like a monkey. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, wake up and say hey think twice about your life okay think twice about your life hello wake up wake up in fact one of his songs is says everybody wake up if you're living with your eyes closed okay so he's a very spiritual person i guess if I, I guess it boils down to this if you have any inkling of spirituality in you at all if you have any clue if you're if you're intuitive like i am and i'm incredibly intuitive to the point where my mother used to call me spooky okay very intuitive if you have any connection to your soul, any connection at all to the universe, you're going to understand what I'm saying. It's going to make sense. Um, people who are drawn to the Dave Matthews band music, of course, there's like we said, there's lots of stories, lots of different reasons why. But the commonality is this. Underneath it all, there's this common theme of love, joy, peace happiness, world concern, concern for each other, concern for Mother Earth, and question everything, question your faith, question your fellow human being, question what happiness means to you. These are all common themes in all of Dave Matthews Band music, all of it. And it touches each of us at different points for different reasons at different times. So that's, that's it. And for me, I... I can't pinpoint to one particular moment in time per se, but this one time I was at, like I started to say, I was at the concert and it was 2004 and I was going through a very serious health challenge, uh, which I still wrestle with today. I have something that's called a bicuspid aorta. means I only have two valves on my heart, not four like everybody else. I was literally facing death. Okay. I was told I had to have open heart surgery or, you know, dire consequences. That was my come to Jesus moment. Okay. To coin a phrase, hope that doesn't offend anybody. But that was my, that was my wake up call. Like, holy mackerel. Whoa. I need to really think (laughs) where am I going and how am I going to live the rest of my life? And As if the music didn't matter so much before then. Oh, it meant a whole lot more and it still has. While I was facing that challenge and going to my cardiologist and and, and meeting with my doctors and, and trying to decide should I have open heart surgery or not. I thought of Dave's lyrics many times during the course of that period. And the thing that stuck out to me the most was that, uh, in the end, uh, we all go the route we, um, we are supposed to go. And that to have faith in yourself and have faith in, in God, your higher power, or whoever you choose to call him is fundamental to that. So uh, I, it took me, I don't know. I, the thing is I had an infection in my heart, and uh, it almost killed me. It literally almost killed me. My blood pressure was so high I should have had a heart attack or stroke. My cardiologist was shocked that I came out of that. But during this entire time of recovery, because I turned vegan and, you know, I'm good. Ever since 2005, I'm vegan and I'm good and healthy and I'm here alive. But anyways, throughout this entire journey, the the Dave Matthews Band music has been my crutch. It's been my savior. It's been my go-to. It's been the thing that has made me find my joy again, find my peace, find my community, find my tribe. And the people that understand where I'm coming from. We all have similar stories. It doesn't matter if it's a health challenge or a life challenge or just trying to seek your place in the world. That's the common theme in in almost every Dave Matthews Band fan I've ever run across. Everybody's got a story to tell. Every single one of us. But yeah, two thousand four was it for me. That was that was the 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 the, the thing that that um, changed everything. That was a game changer, big time. And um, I just want to touch on something real quick though uh, before these crowded streets, I remember the first time I heard that album. I could not believe my ears. I, I listened to that album six times in a row consecutively. I, I was just blown away. I was like, Oh my God. I thought the first couple albums were good, but, but before these crowded streets, it blew them all away. Really blew. I mean, to me, it's an absolute masterpiece for several reasons. Um, from start to finish, it's a complete set of songs that just, they mirror each other so beautifully, but it's such a polished, beautiful album, and the lyrical content, I think, dug even deeper than than the others had up until that point, and it really signaled um, the Dave Matthews Band's arrival on the world scene as an accomplished, um, successful, uh, dare-to-challenge uh, artist from that point forward. I was just amazed, and I still am to this day.
2: So you touched on spirituality again, and as we're talking, my mind starts reeling and, and going back to all these songs that I've heard, like even uh he the, the song, I mean, it's about yeah. Christ being tempted by a modern day devil in the desert. I mean, there's, there's all these songs. What I'd like to do, I think is have you back on uh, maybe later in season three or season four. I've long talked about wanting to just sit down and talk about the songs with somebody and, or with a couple people. And uh, what I think would be a really neat episode is for both of us to do our homework jot down our notes about the spirituality and the songs and, and pick out, you know, six or seven songs that are, are blatant about it. And just talk about what those songs mean to us personally on a spiritual. I think that would be an interesting topic to kind of explore and flesh out. Um, so maybe we can do that later in season three. I think just from our conversation here today, we keep, referring back to it, it is enough of a referral to make me think that there's something worth exploring there uh, for sure. But um, all right. If you could pick one song uh, for every human being on the earth to listen to one time, what song would you give everybody the gift of? And and why would you want them to hear that particular song among, among all the others?
3: Wow. That's a great question, um one song, huh? oh my goodness, <laughs> yep. there are so many that are would be appropriate, but I think if I had to pick just one, only one, oh my goodness, um jeez I'm you know I'm gonna say pig, I'm gonna go with pig uh. Because he's talking about the magic of life itself and the reverence he has for it. But I love his lyric where he says, um, you know, what point could there be traveling head down, wondering what will become of me? Um, you know, and he's talking about the, 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 um, the beauty of the moment and really living your life because you just never know what's going to happen next. And just a side note about that story, uh, about that song, there's a story goes, and he tells it himself, that how that song came to be was years and years ago. He actually saw an actual live pig being burned alive, and it horrified him so much that he wrote the lyrics to pig, um, and what's interesting, too, is there there's an early version of pig where it. You know, it, he's, he literally says, don't burn the pig, yeah. but then yeah. he translates it to don't burn the day away to make it more, how shall I yeah. say, listener friendly, yeah. but, yeah, but, but the pig, don't burn the pig is really symbolic of, you know, don't burn yourself. Don't burn your life away. Don't waste what you have because you are magic. You are special. You're unique and you're loved and you're important. And that's the underlying, you know, message he's trying to get across is don't burn the day away. You've got this beautiful 24 hours of life every day. Don't waste it. And so I would say that would be the one I would gift everybody with because, boy, if you can't get if you can't get behind a message like that, you're doomed. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's such a beautiful message to put to people that, you know, don't burn your life away. Make them, make it count. Make every day count.
2: So, to repeat what I just said off air, is that Pig uh, happens to be one of my favorite songs, and it's, it's a Carpe Diem song, you know. Is it not enough? This blessed sip of life, is it not enough? It's a Carpe Diem song. Don't burn the day. Um, but one of my favorite i love real simple lyrics short effective and they they hit me right in the heart and one of those is from pig and the lyric is so short that if you didn't stop to think about it you might just pass it on by and it's love what more is there exactly and that's it that's that's the music in my in my mind like Love. Yeah. What, what more is there? That that personifies the, the music to me, uh, both in its message and in its simplicity. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a really good, really good song. It's a great pick for letting the whole world hear a song once, because if you can reach everybody on the planet earth and give them one message a carpe diem message is definitely the way to go Uh, nobody's picked that on on the 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 podcast so far so that was a real interesting perspective and one that i can sign on for you know all day long so with the podcast one thing that i've found is that when I hear about people's stories and we go to the drastic spectrum, so in other words, the worst moment of their life and the best moment of their life, um, there's, there's commonality there. So for the worst moment in your life, yes, it was a shit storm. Um, yes, it was hard to get through, but here is the song that saw me through and then you know, three weeks later, I interview another guest who has a completely different story, but then the song comes in and it's the same kind of thread holding it all together. And that just frankly captivates the hell out of me, uh, finding out our commonality. So with that being said, we're going to talk about life on the spectrum um, in both the negative and positive. We're going to start with the negative. So what I'd like you to do think about a time in your life that stands out as being a negative or scary or whatever the case may be. And tell us a little bit about that and what, what you were going through and then what song either impacted you in the moment while going through that, or if that isn't applicable, then what song do you listen to now that makes you think back to that time and give it some, some context, um, I think that's about as good as I can ask the question. It's a difficult question to ask.
3: No, I appreciate that, Drew. Um, Fortunately for me, I've had a lot of time to reflect on these things. So I can put it in context. But yet, if I think about it, oh, my gosh, I'm right there again. Um, I think one of the, I don't know, scary is the right word? Maybe it is. Um, I'm going to say it was when I got my divorce, um, which was finalized in 2011. I really had no idea what was going to happen after that. I, it was the first time I, to coin another Dave song, I became the captain of my own ship. Okay. It was the first time I really stood on my own two feet all alone in this world and really trying to navigate the troubled waters of what was and where I go. And so Captain really spoke to me because when he's saying, I am the captain of this ship, it really really made me stop and think about it and really meditate on what that means to be the captain of my own ship. And that did see me through because I realized that, you know, he said that uh, something to the effect of you be a ship, you be a ship on, on, on the waters. And I thought to myself, well, gosh darn it, I can and I will. And I just love to me that song was very soothing to me. And it made me realize how small I am in the universe. Like we all have our troubles. We all have issues going on. But for that brief moment in time, I'd say from September of, excuse me, 2010, all the way through to June of 2011, when the divorce was final, I was very, I was very concerned. I was very scared. I didn't know how I was going to make it, make it. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I kept listening to that song and it just kind of calmed me down and helped me get through it and helped me realize that, you know, the storm will pass, the sea will calm down and tomorrow's another day. Thank you, Dave Matthews, (laughs) you know? And, um, so it's kind of got, that song has some sentimental value to me because of that.
2: Okay. Uh, let's talk about the other end of the spectrum. Maybe you can pick out a moment in your life that was a real high note moment. Um, And again, tell me in that moment, was there a song that impacted the story, or is there a song that, when you look back, you think, okay, this gives us some context? Um, So the other side of the spectrum, the best moment in your life that you uh, can think of and the music that affected it.
3: Wow. Well, I have two best high moments, but I'll pick the most recent one when I bought my house a year ago. I did so on my own terms in in you know, I made I had made the decision uh to do this after much prodding from other friends who thought I was crazy and oh you shouldn't rent, you should you know, should you love to travel, so you, you should just go rent a place. You'll know you'll you'll never be the, be able to keep it keep up with the house. And I thought, No, they don't understand my backstory. If they understood my backstory, they'd understand how important it is to have roots. Anyways Against all odds, I mean, I had a lot of work to do to get here, to get to this place, to be able to buy a house in the first place. But then, but then again, to be able to buy it on my own without any help from anybody. I mean, I borrowed no money from anyone. I was working at Microsoft, so I made good money and I did it. And that was sort of my, uh, aha moment. Like, wow, anything's possible. And the song that got me through it was Two Step. You know, uh, I don't know why, except for, you know, when when he's talking about we climb on two by two. um, I thought of all the people that have helped me along the way to get here, you know, because nobody nobody really journeys all alone. I mean, we think we do. But in the end, we really don't, because somewhere along the way, somebody always helps us in some way. And hence, that's why two step hit me, because, you know, when he says we, we climb on two by two to be sure life is you know, sweet for certain, sure. but oh where we hold on a second. I'm getting it all garbled up in my head. You know what I mean? The lyrics anyways, they come out at me and I just go, yeah, that's it. That's it. Two step. And, uh, uh, I, I just have so much appreciation for all the people that have helped me get here. Uh, you know, I'm really proud of, proud of my house. I'm proud of the fact that I did it and I I got past all the obstacles that were standing in my way. So yeah, that song, that song hit me real hard.
2: Not to keep circling back to the same topic over and over again, but Two Step to me is another one of those songs that uh, is spiritual in nature. When you, when you listen to it next, um, listen to it in the context of Noah being on the ark with his wife and singing to his wife about his fears of what's going down and uh, what his hopes are and the first time I heard the song that is the picture that was painted in my mind that Noah was singing the song to his wife on the ark as the flood started and it was mixed with this hope and these assurances but also these real big dreads that, you know, all we're doing is to continue things we cannot change. Like, there's a lot of conflict in that song and in that story behind it. Um, but yeah, yeah, Two Step is another one for me that's, that's spiritual in nature. Um, and it's interesting to, to listen to it again and think about Noah and what he's seeing to his wife, his hopes, his dreams, his fears. Uh, it kind of blows me away um well i
3: think it got me was where he says you know like we all do um might uh might last a thousand years or more if not for this our flesh and blood you know it ties you you and me right up tie me down and celebrate we will because life is short for sweet but sweet for certain we climb on two by two to make sure these days continue things we cannot change and that's and that's so I think the thing is, you know, celebrate while you're here, celebrate while you have something to celebrate. And I'm, in this case, it was me celebrating myself, celebrating the fact that I accomplished a, a serious goal, something that I wanted to pursue and I made it happen. And I also want to point out in that song, though, these, you know, when he says uh, he's talking about, um, you know, uh, best intentions. and that's really, I think what all of us aspire to do is lay down our best intentions. And so that's, that's where my, my love for that song comes from is the fact that, you know, he knows he's not perfect. Nobody is, but he puts his best intentions for, forward. And I think we all see that we all feel it. We all know it. And we all aspire to do the same.
2: completely Mm -hmm. agree. Um, So without going into too much detail, we have some surprises coming at the end of season three and maybe the beginning of season four down the road. um, We're actually going to be able to sit down and talk to at least one or two of the band members. And when we do so, the... So the point of the podcast in phase one was to learn what the music meant to the DMB family as a whole and individually. Phase two, what I want to do is to be able to sit down with some of the band members and find out what the DMB family has meant to them over the years and to hear some of their stories like what's the craziest thing you've seen a fan do at your show? What, what's something that you see at a show that really pushes you to the next level when you're jamming out, these sorts of questions. What does the DMB family mean to you? Um, what impact has it had? I say all that to say that before um, before anybody signs on, they're listening to the podcast at least a couple episodes. And so I asked this question, and up until a few months ago when I asked the question, it was completely hypothetical. Now there's a good chance that Um, two or more of the band members are going to listen to these episodes to see if they want to come on. And this question very likely will be, the answer to this question very likely will hit their ears. So there's a little bit more weight to it now. And the question is, if you could sit down with the entire band for just a few minutes, what would you tell them?
3: Wow. Um uh, what I would tell wow. Oh, you're gonna choke me up here. Um <laughs> first of all, I would say thank you, a thousand times thank you for enlightening me, enriching my life, for making me a better person, for giving me such beautiful, thoughtful music to listen to. Um <laughs> Beyond that, I would, I would ask them, uh, what, what drives them to keep making the music? Hello? Can you hear me? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if you can hear yeah, me.
2: Yeah, uh, you're, you're Anyways, good. I can hear you.
3: Okay. Uh, I would ask them to, you know, to, to tell me what, what drives them to keep, to keep going? What inspires them? And I would also say, if they only knew Mm -hmm. my dedication, oh my gosh. um, I'll give you one example. I'll give them one example that they can chew on for a minute. Uh, I was back in, let's see, this is 2016 at the Gorge. And I was going down to one of the merch tents. And I tripped and fell, and they pulled my ligaments in my left foot and to the point where the emergency tent guys wanted to take me to the hospital. My foot was oh, completely wow. swollen. It, I, ri- I literally ripped all the tendons. I couldn't even walk. And they wanted to take me to the hospital. I said, you're not, I'm not going anywhere. I came to see Dave Matthews for the weekend. They're like, you've got to go to the hospital. I'm like, I don't care. I said, you don't understand. Do you <laughs> even have a how much I love this band no you don't so leave me alone give me a bottle of wine I'm gonna be okay and my girlfriend was horrified slash laughing like oh my god I can't believe you're doing this but I they wrapped me up in a bandage and the guys put me out uh into my uh seat and I stayed there and I was in a hell of a lot of pain but you know what I didn't care because I love this band so much I just want them to know this is the this is the kind of dedication we're talking about okay I was in so much agony and so much pain, um, I drank a whole bottle and a half of wine, and I'm a little woman, I'm 4'11 4, and 110 pounds dripping wet, but I um, I had it wrapped up, got through the night, it was awesome, second night, uh, well, let me backtrack, so we got back to the tent, and it was horrible, I was like, oh my God, you know, the wine had worn off, and I was just like, oh my God, how am I to get through this, the next day, now this is, this is funny, you've got to add this in, this is hilarious. My friend that was staying with me, she MacGyvered some crutches. <laughs> she took a couple of tree branches and fashioned me a couple of. Crutches oh,
2: that's
3: right. great! <laughs> <laughs> I was able to hobble around and get up and get my tea and get my breakfast, and we kind of lounged around for a while. And then we went out to the, because we were there all weekend, right? So that was Friday night and Saturday Saturday night. We went back to the gorge. And she um, got one of the guys to bring me down to the seats in the uh, golf cart because I had reserved seats for Friday and Saturday night. And so they got us down there and the guys in the EMT tent were just rolling their eyes like, oh, my God, she's back again. (laughs) I said, see, I told you I'm not going anywhere. And so um, that was pretty great. And they were nice enough to come out and check on me every once in a while, make sure my foot was elevated and. And I had ice on my foot and stuff like that. So so kudos to them. They were great. The third night, um, my foot was by this time it was alarmingly in a lot of pain, but I didn't care. We we had lawn seats and so um we just kind of hobbled our way down. You know, they took us back down, they saw they saw us coming and they took us by golf cart back down to our lawn seats. And um so yeah, I just want them to know that <laughs> would have given up the ghost and gone to the hospital but not me, I stayed all freaking bloody weekend Are you kidding me? I've been a warehouse member since um, oh I think it's 2001 I think it is uh, and if I'd have known about the warehouse I would have signed up earlier but I didn't, but anyways I say all that to say this, I just want them to know that I'm a lifelong fan, the music means more than I can ever possibly imagine and To give you an idea of how deep my fanship goes, I had a before these crowded streets poster, custom framed, cost me over three hundred freaking dollars, and it got stolen, and I'm I'm devastated. But I but you know what I figure it's out wherever it is, and uh, maybe some goodwill will come from that. But I thank Dave Matthews Band for seeing me through the worst of times. And the last question I would ask these guys is if you could change anything about your lineup, anything about the way you do your music right now, what would you change and
2: why? Oh, that's an intriguing question. I'd actually like to know the answer to that myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we'll be able to get that answered uh, later on in the season, at least to some degree. Um, If you had to pick three songs and you don't need to go into the the context of them. um, If you were to pick out three songs that to know those songs would be to know you, for example, um, if somebody listened to number 27 warehouse and the dreaming tree, if they listened to those three songs and understood them, then they essentially are understanding me because those are my songs. Um, I identify my life, my history, Identifies with them to another level. Do you have three songs that you could list to where to know those three songs is to know you?
3: Yes, uh of course. We spoke about Gray Street, so that would be the number one. Number two, number three, go like this, <laughs> and it's really kind of amazing because I'm like, really? um Number two would be Pig, and number three of all songs I know you're going to think this is kind of out of left field, but here it goes. Yeah, um, number three would probably be, um, gosh, you know, I got to say, it's probably got to be number 36. Oh, wow. Why so? Well, because the the melody is so beautiful that it's kind of like it's a springboard to whatever – whatever whatever fa- everybody has different facets in the personality so i'm sort of thinking that it's a shape, it's a shapeshifter of of your soul it, it, whatever you think of at that particular moment when you meet me that's what you're going to identify with whether you see me as you want me to you want me to be or whatever i'm probably not making any sense what i mean is it's a fluid song so whatever you pick up in my personality at that particular moment in time is how you're going to identify me and aside from that i mean you said three but if i guess a partner song is 36 if i really have to stretch and have to go deeper into that um i would say probably um let me think about this for a second um uh, rhyme and reason.
2: Oh wow! Why so? Rhyme
3: and reason. Yeah, because he's talking about logic and he's talking about um making sense of a crazy world. <laughs> And I'm a very logical, analytical person by nature, but I'm also a very soft-minded, um, sort of empathic person. And so is Dave. Dave's very um, – I think that's what gets all of us. That's why we all love him so much is because he does care about humanity. He really has shown a great compassion for um life and for animals and for mother earth and for the farm, you know, he's very involved heavily in farm aid and, and, and projects like that where it's, it's, let's go out and help the greater good. And I can identify with that. So yeah, that's where it's at.
2: Fair enough. Um, So our last question is kind of a general one. Um, and the the answers always vary um, greatly between episode and episode. So what, to you, is the overall message that the music is trying to relay? And how do you apply that message into your life personally?
3: Mm. You know what? That's kind of a complicated question because there's I think there's – Several themes going here, but I would say the overall message is love. Period. Um, Dave is very much about, um, dipl- he's a very well, first of all, he's a very diplomatic person, at least on stage and, and just kind of in general. He's just he's of all about he sort of, he strikes me as a kind of peacemaker kind of guy but um, it's about love i mean if you listen to most of his songs there is that underlying message of love in one form or another um, all of his there's there's no i mean there's a few songs out there that really get angry and really will sock it to you like last stop or um, don't drink the water or you know there's a couple songs out there that really slug you and go what are you doing, man? You're killing, you're killing people. Or like um, Time Bomb, Uh, you know, where he's talking about the guy that's blowing himself up, you know. Those are radical issues that, you know, somebody's got to talk about, and he's doing it. But overall, beyond that, it's love. And I think um, that's why so many people have so much affection for this music, is because they feel that. They feel that he... He, um, you know, he's just he's he's putting himself out there and saying, here I am, guys, you know, this is what I'm going to say. And and we can all identify with that. Um, I think as far as making too much out of it, and he's kind of, you know, made fun of himself on stage about this is that, you know, don't read too much into it. In fact, <laughs> you know, uh, back to the warehouse for a second, you know, one of the part of the lyrics is, you know. Uh, he's talking about throwing the bones and you can read into whatever you, whatever you're needing. In other words, I'm putting these words out here, guys. You can read into them whatever you need. If it, if you need hope, I got you. If you need peace, I got you. If you need direction, I got you. If you're looking for love, I got you too. And that's the cool thing about his music is that he, you you really can read into whatever you're needing but yeah overall i'd say it's love love in all its many facets
2: that's as good of an answer as, as any we've had so far i think you're right on point with it being about love um i think it might go one step further and it illuminates love, but then the question is, okay, now what are you going to do with it? Um, a lot of the songs bring up love, but they they bring it up in such a way where, like Pig is a good example, you know, all right, you have a good life. it's It's your problem. Love, what more is there? It's, okay, love, but now what are you going to do with the love that you have? Are you going to waste it away and become bitter and angry like rhyme and reason? Um, are you going to use it to help others like number 41? Uh, it, it's, it's all about what we do with the love and, and providing us some channels that we might not have had otherwise. Um, some ways to use our love as a conduit to help other people, to forgive other people, to love. Forgiveness and love. Same thing, in my opinion. Um, so I, I think that's a really good – love is, is very much – I would. I, I agree totally. And then maybe afterwards is what are you going to do with that love now that you know it and you see it and you have it? There's some obligation there. Uh, right. There absolutely is. So. All right, Pamela, thank you for coming on. It's been a, a great conversation for the folks listening. If you go to DMB on Demand slash podcast or look at the episode notes wherever you stream your podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, what have you, um, you'll have some links and some information. Uh, there'll definitely be links on how to find uh, Pamela's Facebook group, DMB Fans International. There'll be a link to some resources and some um, band-related material. So make sure you check out the episode notes uh, for this episode. And I'll be honest, this is one of my favorite episodes we've done so far. I just wanted to thank you for not feeling confined to a simple question and answer format and expounding on the ideas that you wanted to expand. I, I, I greatly appreciate it. And more than anything else, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story and your particular perspective on what the music means. I think there's going to be a lot of people who relate to your personal analysis of the music. I, I know I do. So, um, anyway. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I've I've had a great time sitting down and talking to you. And like I said, just check your episode notes for links to her Facebook group and a few other resources. And that'll wrap it up for this time. So thank you for coming on, Pamela. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much, Drew. It's been my pleasure. I really enjoyed myself.
2: Perfect. And just so you know, before we publish the episode, I'll make sure to get you a a copy of it beforehand so that you can listen to it and make sure that everything's presented how you want it to be presented and, and that you're okay with it. So you won't go into it blind. You'll have a demo of the episode far before it reaches the airwaves. Um, and then, yeah. and then uh, I'll have a short form for you to fill out once we're done it just kind of gives you a perspective about the podcast and if you have any suggestions and things like that. So I'll make sure I get that over to you tonight. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it. Thanks again yeah. for coming on. And uh,
3: yeah. had fun. I uh, just, um, I, they don't know my last name. So if you could just add my last name in there somewhere, maybe in the liner notes or whatever, but yeah, I, I really appreciated this opportunity to speak with you, Drew. It was really, really great. I, 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 I do look forward to coming on again. I would love, 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 love to come on and talk more in depth. Um, I think it's great. And I really value this because I've been thinking about doing a podcast for my group. And I don't know how, when, where, what that's going to look like. But Facebook is going away with watch parties. So that's why I'm going to host a watch party in the group here in a couple minutes. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's fabulous. I really do. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It was my pleasure to be here.
0: Welcome to the final segment for today, The Way I Heard It. We know there is such diversity within the DMB family, or community, and for this reason alone, there will be differences in how we all interpret the music and the lyrics. Each week, we select a song and ask several fans to break down the song the way they heard it. Take a listen. Perhaps you would have heard the song in the same way, or perhaps you'll find a new appreciation of the song discussed. Enjoy!
4: Hi, this is Sam. S.E. Gary 78.
5: And Mary Jane, Janie Gary 2.
4: The uh, song we're going to talk about is Save Me, and it's for the... This the is the I way it, I heard it. The way I heard it uh, portion of the podcast. So, again, we've chosen Save Me.
5: Okay. So, the first part of Save Me is I'm driving through the desert. I met a man who told me of its crazy plan. He'd been walking there for 20 days. He was going to walk on for 20 more. Said, how about a drink or a bite to eat? He said, no, my faith is all I need. So then save me. Save me, Mr. Walking Man, if you can. And uh, I know whenever I hear that first part of the song, I immediately, that he'd been walking for 20 days. He was going to walk for 20 more. I think my first reaction was, oh, he's talking about Jesus. Yeah, he's talking
4: about Jesus. And... I think, personally, that this is a Dave is singing in the in the perspective or writing from the, from the perspective of somebody that saw this crazy guy just walking through the desert, no water, no food, and decided to just tag along.
5: Yeah, he decided to just follow him. Yeah, um, and he knew, you know. I I don't think the person narrating the person who sees this man knows that there's something special about him, but he doesn't know exactly why.
4: Right. Exactly.
5: Um, and so when I first heard the, he'd been walking there for 20 days, he's going to walk for 20 more immediately. I, I said, this is Jesus. And Obviously.
4: Then, right. Obviously that's Jesus that he's talking about because that's what we learned. Right. Know, growing up Catholic. And so, so that's how everybody learned when well. he
5: says not a, how about a bite or a drink or a bite to eat? Even though it's not explicitly stated, you know, I mean, we all know that Jesus had to survive 40 days and 40 nights, no food, no water, just alone. Right. So, um, you know, that's just, that's the picture that's painted for me is he just sees Jesus walking down the road and he pulls up in his car and he's like, Hey man, what are you, what are you doing?
1: Right. And Um, then
4: he decides to tag along and follow him the rest of the way.
5: Right. Um. The next part is, you don't need to prove a thing to me. Just give me faith. Make me believe. Come on, save me. Save me, Mr. Walking Man, if you can. Come on, save me. Save me, Mr. Stranger, if you please. Save me. Save me, stranger, if you please. Or am I too far gone to get back home? And I don't think of home as the I've driven down the road too far. To, to go me, back home, right? Home is heaven. Am right. I, am I too far gone to go to heaven? Have Why I, won't you save me?
4: Have I done too many things? Have I sinned too much, to where, you know, heaven is a is a is a no go for me? It's kind of how I interpret that. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> you know, part of it. It's also, you know, this is a a person that is discovering a new way to believe and a new way to to feel and 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 how to have faith so am i too far gone to get back home so what has that person from this perspective done to think he's too far gone to be saved as we know it
5: and at this point the only thing the stranger walking down the road has said no i don't need anything all i need is my faith and he's not He's not responded to what this guy pulling up to him has said to him. He's just said, no, all I need is my faith. Yep. And then he goes on and says, how about you take a ride with me? We could kill some time, shoot the breeze. He said, he being the stranger, every whispering wind and every second counts. Oh, maybe if you walk, but you should drive around. And to me, he's saying, if you want to stop what you're doing and come with me, then I can save you. But if you want to keep along the path that you're on, that
4: you're on, right.
5: Then, you know, then you're, you're not, you're not, I'm not going to save
4: you. You're going down the wrong road and you can't be saved.
5: Right. And to me, that part means so much because it's like, you've hit rock bottom and you're, you're praying and you're saying, Lord, give me what I need. Save me. And the answer is stop doing what you're doing. And, just put everything in me. Put your faith in me and walk with me and then I can save you. And that's when the turning point of your life is. So to me, this is the turning point of this man's life.
4: Right. Now he comes, a- <clears throat> he comes across a random stranger. Hey, man, what are you doing? You know, you know, and, and this is like to me, I just see, you know, in the in the perspective of the person that, that witnesses this and says, Hey man, you need some water or or whatever, you know, just like we talked about. Yeah. But and then he completely stopped what he was doing, took a left turn instead of a right, and then <clears throat> just started to follow and put his faith in this. And whatever this is, is the path to home.
5: Right. He says, Save me, save me, Mr. Walking Man, if you can Come on, save me. Save me, Mr. Stranger, if you please. Save me. Save me, stranger, if you please. Or am I too far gone to get back home, to get back home? I don't need you to stall for some time. No, I don't need you to turn water into wine. No, I don't need you to fly. I'm just asking you to save me. And, you know, from there he goes on to, anyway, so I'll, I'll get to the next part, but, You know, he's saying, I don't, I don't need a miracle. I don't need you to show me this big, I just need something. Right. I need something to show me that I need to turn this way with you. And and that just cements for me that, that he's just at the, a breaking point Mm -hmm. and he needs, he is just, he's on his knees begging. And I mean, I know I've been to that point. Sure. And. You know, most people have, and, and I, this just paints such a perfect picture of you're at this breaking point in your life, and he, everything is just going wrong, and you need something. You don't need this big miracle to happen. You just need something to show you that this path, this new path you're on is the right path.
4: You just need something to believe in at a point where you don't know which way is left, which way is right, or up and down. Right. You, you need... You need a new path to follow. And in this case, to me, it's following Jesus and becoming Christian. Yeah. You know, but that could be different for, you know, anybody that hears the song.
5: Right. We were both raised very, <clears throat> very Catholic, raised in the church, right. raised our, our children in the church. And so.
4: So that is our perspective of hearing these lyrics, right. and hearing the song. So, yes, this man was saved by Jesus, is what the song tells me.
5: Yeah, and then he goes on. Might try saving yourself. I'm gonna save me. Might try saving yourself. I swear those lips shine. Might try saving yourself. As at the moon, the moon it shines. Might try saving yourself. Why don't you save me? Might try saving yourself. Come on, save me. Might try saving yourself. And and the might try saving yourself part to me is it's like it, that's Jesus saying you have to you have to do this yourself. You I yourself. I can't exactly. do it for you, you have to do it. and
4: You have to make the choice to follow this Yes, in order to be saved.
5: And then the, the moon, the moon, it shines. It, it's right there. It's right there in front of him and he knows it's there and he just he can't grasp it. But he knows it's right in front of him what he needs to do.
4: Right. It's like he's trying to he can see it but he can't get there and he's trying to wrap his brain around it and mm-hmm. how, to, how to follow the path so to speak. To to get there. Yeah. And then, you know, I like in the song how it's, you know, Dave is saying one line and then the background singers are like yeah. try say, you know, saving yourself. I can't sing, so I'm not gonna do that to anybody. <laughs> I'm
3: not gonna subject people to that.
4: But, you know, that deep voice might try saving yourself. You know, as a background singer.
5: Yeah.
4: It's like that's your that's little the the little birdie on your shoulder or the the angel on one side and the devil on the other talking to you hey how are you gonna get this right how are you gonna fix this how are you gonna how are you going to lead your life in order to get back home
5: right but you have to do it yourself is what it's it's saying you have to do it yourself and to me it's i i immediately thought of our most our most recent I guess I just always try to relate it to what we're going through. And most recently, you know, we went through this in
4: in real time, Yeah, how how we're seeing things and hearing things Yeah, in real time.
5: And in most recently, I think about us going through this home buying process and, you know, we were super excited. We knew, okay, we can, we're approved for this much. And we started looking for houses and we knew we wanted a certain area and we, we, put an offer in on this house and we were so excited and it turned out that that wasn't the house for us, you know, after, after the inspection, there was nothing we could do to make this house okay for us to live in. And right. so we backed out and we started looking at more houses and what, I think we put in seven offers. Um, was it seven though? It was seven. It was seven. Okay. I, I lost track.
4: Sorry. I lost it track. Was
5: seven <laughs> different houses that we put offers in for, Never offering below list price, always offering more, you know, reaching out to these different areas. But there was this one house that (coughs) was coming soon for two weeks, coming soon, coming soon. And we finally went and saw it, you know, and I had, excuse me, I had, uh, my friend tell me, you just got to be patient. You just got to be patient. And a week before we, a couple days before we went to see this house is when Ben had his confirmation, right? And his sponsor, we were talking to him about the house stuff, and he said, you know, you guys are going to find the right house. Just keep praying. Just keep being patient. God is going to do it in his own time, not your time. Right. And a couple days later, the house finally goes on the market. We go Mm -hmm. and we see it. We put in an offer.
4: And it was ours. Next thing we knew.
5: Well, we had to wait five very long days. Five very long days. She wanted it on the market for a full week, so we had to wait five very long days. Um, And then the letter that she wrote to us telling us, I just knew that you were the family meant for this house. And that whole time, we had to be so patient. And I know during that week, I prayed every night, please let this be the house. We... We want this, you know, we want this to work out. This is the area we want, the neighborhood we want. It's a perfect home. It's a great yard for our kid. It's a great yard for our dogs. Right. This is, this is the house we've, we're being patient and you know, it finally happened. And now we're 18 days away from moving in and everything has lined up. I mean, we, we put our faith that we were going to find the right house at the right time and boom you know, we've got a lower interest rate and boom, you know, we find out all this stuff is lining up to be, to be ready on that day. And
4: like, and it was, like it was meant to be, we put our faith in this one. Right. Right. We, we, we invested and then we, we spent time on others. Right. But this is the one.
5: And it once, was easy. Once right. this one is just like that.
4: Once we were actually there and saw it and, and went back and saw it again. And, and a third time and, you <laughs> And we realized this is the one, and then it worked out. And then, but I'm not the most religious person, but I still believe some of the things how I was raised, how we were raised. We were raised the same. Um, In the same church, and I did pray, (laughs) and I did pray, and you know, I know he's out there somewhere listening, but you know, it just worked out. And
5: but this song to me can relate to something as, as simple as what we're currently going through. Right. Dealing the, with the frustrations of, of buying the, bu- buying our first home. And <laughs> I am an OCD person and I am a control freak. And my house is destroyed right now. Half packed, half not packed. Yeah, we're
4: about to move. It's no big deal.
5: And, and it's driving me crazy, but I have <laughs> this weird sense of peace that, you know what, it's all going to be worth it. And so in this, relatively small moment in our life this song relates but at the same time this song relates in a in a deeper meaning when and and I, i think i've talked about this before that when when adam was sick when he was first diagnosed um and for those of you that don't know our story our oldest was diagnosed with cancer in uh january 2017 um and he passed in from cancer in october of 2017 at the age of eighteen. So when he was first diagnosed, I know I, I prayed every day. On my way to work, I would pray in the car and I, I kept hearing, to me, I kept hearing just keep praying, just keep praying, just keep praying and he was getting better. And I was putting all my faith in the fact that these prayers that he was going to be healed. And then there was a shift and I think that God speaks to people in different ways and, and you Some people actually hear his voice and it's like a conversation like this. This is like a conversation. But I think other people, it's just a feeling. And and to me, it's that feeling, that sense of calm. And so uh, about about halfway through his journey, a little more than halfway through his journey, what I heard in response to my prayers was very different. It wasn't just keep praying. It was stop wasting time. Do something about it. And from that point on, I made a point to, and I told you, I told you, I said, I think he's going to die. And yep.
4: we had that, we had that hard conversation, yep. but
5: and but, we had that conversation with Benjamin and
4: we did. And we were, we were both kind of on the same page. Like he was getting so much better and things were looking up and then all of a sudden he got thinner and sicker mm-hmm. and,
5: and in more the, pain,
4: the medicine wasn't working the, the immunotherapy wasn't working. He was in more pain and he was miserable. Yeah. But Adam being Adam, he was positive. Yeah. Stayed the course. You know, didn't complain too and much. The, I, know I didn't complain too much. No.
5: I, but, I took that stop wasting time as right. have those meaningful conversations. Say what you need to say. And I did. And as hard as it was, I, I pushed myself to make sure that... I talked to him every single day. I, uh, Adam is my stepson, so he did not live with us, but I talked to him every single day, even if it was just about nonsense. And I said those things that I wanted to say to him and I knew where he stood with it. And, and so when he, when he died, I didn't feel, obviously I was destroyed, but I didn't feel like I had been led down the wrong path. I right. fe- I felt like, okay I was praying to God and he was telling me don't waste time and I didn't and so you know I I 100% feel like Adam is up in heaven watching over us every day and I think sometimes when we forget he's there he knocks crap off our walls to let us know that he's there like the calendar it's always the calendar
4: Yep. Adam was obsessed with the calendar Yep, he was
5: and it just randomly (sighs) falls off at times and I have to stop and go okay okay yeah I'm not I'm not doing the right thing. So to me, this song just encompasses so much. It can be something as small as the frustration of going through buying a house or as big as dealing with the fact that we were losing our child.
4: And then, you know, save me is, is it's very encompassing as you just said. So to me, save me was like, bring me back to faith and prayer
5: yeah
4: when adam was sick Mm -hmm. i don't think i ever prayed so much in my life yeah (laughs) i was an altar boy i was an altar boy i went to ccd all the time (laughs) i don't think i ever prayed so much after adam got sick and i still pray and i pray for him and i pray for us and i pray for ben and i pray for you know everybody in our lives so
5: even though we lost him
4: even though we lost him it's like we've gone back I personally have gone back to the finding something to believe in Mm -hmm. after, you know, Adam fought his battle with cancer and I've, I still have questions and I still kind of, uh, is this real? But the only thing I can think of is that there is a, a greater power. And the man that was walking through the song of save me is the real deal.
5: Yeah.
4: I don't, you know, and I'm sure that, People can, can dismiss that and this sort of thing, but whenever you experience something so life-changing, like the narrator in this song, right, didn't know where to go, we experienced multiple things that are life-changing. Yes. And now it's kind of, this song rings, you know, this song, when it came out, I was like, that's oh, Dave, you know, just... You know, I liked this album when it first came out. It was a solo album, but it wasn't my favorite. But now going back and listening to this things, you know, after some time, and especially the way our lives have shaped over the last, you know, handful years. of years, yeah. three years, this song resonates so much with me. And it's a simple song. And if it's cut and dry, it's a guy who was following Jesus through the desert. Yeah. But at the same point you can relate that to all the experiences that you've lived and that you and I have lived together. Yeah. And it opens up a whole new, you know, page in a book.
5: So do you think this is a happy song or a sad song?
4: I think it's both.
5: I think it maybe depends on what you're going through at the mm-hmm. time. Um, sure. You know, both of the times that, you know, the, the, when Adam was sick, you know, obviously that was a really stressful time for us, but it was oh. also a it was sad. I mean, we were sad all the time. We were anxious all the time. So right. it, it was sad in that instance, but um the most recent experience, you know, the bottom line is is that we had to we we had to stop and we had to slow down. Right. And and take it all in and do what we needed to do, which if if you're not in a position to buy a house and you decide in a weekend that you need to be in that position, it's a lot of work to figure out what you can afford and what you need to pay off and what you need to do. And I mean, we did incredible work in a matter of four weeks to go to be prepared to buy a house when we weren't even thinking of looking for several months. So it's stressful. And that's what I guess that's, I don't think the song is stressful, but every experience that I relate it back to is the super stressful time. And that stop, slow down, stop doing what you're doing and take the minute to take the time to slow down and walk right. with me. Let go of all the other things. I, you don't need anything else. All you right. need is your faith. And so it's happy. It's a happy song to me.
4: Yeah. Um, I can see that. And I, I, part of me agrees with that because what you just said, you know, just even in this conversation just rings true because we did, you know, come back to faith and, and, and hope for the best and pray and all that sort of thing. And it's all worked out. Yeah.
5: I mean, we bought a house during COVID
4: knock on wood it's worked out <laughs> unless there's a, a hiccup here and there but
5: uh, i don't think there's gonna be a hiccup but i think we're anyway. good. there better not be a hiccup i just ordered our furniture today
4: yeah yeah we probably shouldn't jinx it
5: well um that's our rambling thoughts of what save me means to us
4: yeah if you've listened to this i'm i'm sorry for rambling and my wife likes to ramble too so
5: yeah i guess that's why we've been married for so long
4: Probably so.
5: So hopefully the song, what we said makes sense. And hopefully if you've never heard it in that light, maybe <clears then throat> go and take a listen and it'll mean something different to you. Bye.
0: We want to give a special thanks to our guest and co-contributors for this episode of the podcast. Without your valuable contributions, we wouldn't be able to continue. We hope that you've enjoyed our deep dive into the music of DMB and the community that supports them. You can find us on all social media platforms by searching DMB On Demand. Visit us on dmbondemand.com for DMB-related merch and to learn more about DMB On Demand. Until next time, don't burn the day away.